verse number 27. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14. And Matthew chapter 5, page 1027. Matthew chapter 5 and Exodus chapter 20. All right, how many find your place? Well, that's a few of you. How many find, how many, I waited for you minutes and then, how many find your place? And you know, after a while, I pretend and nobody never, never know it. Amen. Let me make two statements before we get started tonight. First statement this. Are you listening? I really want your attention tonight. I almost decided to skip this, this message until I started studying and praying. And oh Lord, how He made it so real in my own heart how real this truth is tonight. I want to preach on preserving purity. I want all my young people to look up this way. I want you to pay attention. I want you utmost attention. I wouldn't do this, but Phil Kidd said, if you didn't look at him, you'd throw a songbook at you. Amen? Uh, preserving purity. And the more I studied, the more I prepared it, the more I realized, oh my goodness, it cannot be skipped over. So first of all, first I'm going to make, this is going to be maybe for some of you senior folks that says, well, preacher, we shouldn't be talking about sexual uh, things in the house of God. Understand something. Nine and ten year olds are seeing and hearing stuff that would make you blush. The devil and his crowd are talking about it. And we better get a backbone enough to talk about it. We don't, if you and me don't, if we don't talk to our children and we don't talk about it, we don't talk to our grandchildren about it, then the world's going to give them their version of it. And their version is corrupted. So that's statement number one. Statement number two. There is not a person here that is the exception that the devil could destroy your life through the means of sexual perversion, he'll do it. Probably one of the greatest preachers I ever heard. Hands down. Probably had the greatest ministry at the height of his ministry. Largest independent Baptist church. Employed probably 800 people. I mean, a powerful, powerful, powerful Man of God in a powerful ministry. The horsepower behind that ministry was unbelievable. And yet the devil got him. The devil got him. Right here in what we're talking about. By all indications, he had a good marriage. Yet the devil got him. Exodus twenty fourteen. the Bible says, Thou shalt not commit... Adultery. Now we'd say, well, good, I can sleep through this message. I've never done that. I'm going to shock you. 
Every man that's got red blood running through his veins and you're not a twinkie. You've committed that sin. Because to understand that sin, you've got to read chapter 5 of Matthew. Matthew said in 527, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Yes, it was. Exodus said that. God said that. Moses had pinned that down. But I say unto you, Now it's the Lord talking to you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Is any man here that's got red blood running through his veins want to stand up and say, you know, I have looked at women and it never, I've, none of them have never bothered me. We're going to pray for your line. That's right. We're going to pray for your line. And because uh, that's not so. God made men be motivated by the eye gate. Women are motivated by the ear gate. And uh, that's just the way God designed you. And so tonight, as we think about this thought of preserving purity, I'm, I want to help you. And then I, I, want you, I want you to get it. Now, I need to make mention of one more thing. I'm, I'm not here to drag up your past. Maybe your past has been, um, you know, not something you would want to stand up and talk to. Maybe in your past you've made failures and mistakes. Well, I'll make a deal with you tonight. I won't drag the skeletons out of your closet if you don't drag them out of mine. We've all made past failures and mistakes and would to God we can change them. It's not my desire to drag up your past and to not to make you feel guilty in any way, shape, or form. If God's forgiven you, hallelujah, I do as well. What I do want to know, though, for you to understand from this night forward to this time forward, the importance we have in preserving purity. And may I say, it's got to start with us at the house of God. Let's pray. Uh, Brother George, how about you praying right quick? Amen. The Houston Chronicle reported... The grass on the other side of the fence is, may start off being green, but it usually ends up brown. This is the statistics say 75 to 85% of all men who have had an affair end up staying with or returning to the wife. Only 15% ever married the woman or man that's wrecked their marriage. Amazing. Affairs are destructive. And they don't deliver what they promise. The devil and the world has fed us such a lie. And 
many cases, even at the house of God, we have believed that lie. That it's all about a physical act of the body. That is a lie. Bible says that whosoever commit looketh on a woman to lust after her committeth adultery. God don't mince words. He don't. He don't say, "Well, he 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 messed up." No, that's not too. Committed adultery with her already is hard. So we have to understand that uh, almost immediately. Adultery is not necessarily an act of the body, a physical act of the body, but it is a sin in the heart. Adultery starts as murder does in the heart, whether it be men or women, either one. Let me define adultery sex outside the bounds of marriage. It's not a fair. It's not a messed up. It's adultery. Let me define fornication. You young people, listen up. Sex between two unmarried people. And no matter how you whitewash it, it's sin. It's sin. And tonight I want us to learn how God wants us, everyone, to have an affair proof marriage. Now, if you listen, and, and I, I know probably somebody's going to get crossways. But if you look, look at me, look at me now. If you will obey God's plan, I guarantee you, it'll work. No doubt about it. First of all, tonight, let's look at God's purpose for marriage. Genesis 1.27, the Bible says... So God created man in His own image. And in the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. First of all, God's purpose of marriage, He designed marriage for companionship. I love what God had to say. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I like that. I don't like being alone. I mean, some people like being alone. I don't like being alone. He said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. God said, first design of marriage was companionship. Body, soul, and spirit. When God made, took, laid Adam down in, in his arms and reached into Adam and pulled out a rib, he didn't reach in the earth and create something. He didn't reach back in the earth and create anything. He pulled into Adam and pulled out a rib and made a woman. And whenever he saw her, it wasn't her lips or hips or all that stuff you're spending money on. The attraction was she was him. She made him complete. She was a helpmate for him. My isn't it God got a wonderful plan? Isn't it a wonderful plan? First Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit 
and soul and body preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the ways God did that was to give us a companionship in marriage. William Harley in his book describing his needs and her needs said this, The man must not emphasize the body alone. But then he said, The woman cannot emphasize the spirit and mind alone. Proverbs 6.32 But whoso commits adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Man, that's, that's big. So first, God's design, purpose of marriage was companionship. Second thing, He designed marriage for intimacy. The Bible says, Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. He makes this statement here. And they were both naked, the man and the woman, and were not ashamed. He's talking about intimacy. God said He created marriage, designed marriage for intimacy. And trust me, you'd be be amazed, be amazed at the marriages that are wrecked. Over real, uh, refusing. The Bible, the Bible says that we're to submit ourselves one to another. And God said that the bed's undefiled. And we've, li- we've listened to some, some old, uh, 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 uh we've listened to somebody's advice. That wasn't no God if he showed up. And we've listened to some old fairy tale or some, somebody's ideal and opinion. And, and then we've got all hard hearted and, and we've said, no, no. And it's ripping apart God's design. And marriage was for intimacy. It is to strengthen. It strengthens a marriage. I love this. Mark Twain was lecturing in Utah in a Mormon wanted to argue with him about polygamy. And he said, now I mean they, they really got in a big debate. He said, you just show me a single passage of scripture which forbids polygamy. And him certainly, and Mark Twain says, yes I can. No man can serve two masters. I like that. Hebrews 13, 4. Are you listening? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Now listen, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. God designed sexual union and His intimacy to strengthen existing love. I know a man that I could put his name here. John's marriage was stale. The passion had gone. When Sue began fronting with him at the office, 
it made him feel alive. A little flirting led down to a path of predictable destination. They had an affair. Eventually, John's wife found out. Hurt, discouraged, she kicked him out. Filed for divorce. Now he lives in an apartment, can't afford to pay for two nice houses. The worst part, he can no longer see his children every day. He would do anything to get them back. And it started with a little temptation. A little temptation. I believe this with all my heart. And I know I'm probably going to hit somebody. somebody I know, cry this size, somebody's going to get all tore up. There ain't no man going to tell my wife I love her more than me. No one. No one is going to be telling her more. I mean, I, I tell her all the time. I mean, I tell all the time. I ain't ashamed to hug her in front of the youngins. I ain't ashamed to kiss her in front of the youngins. Some of you say, oh, we don't do that at our house. That's, I, that's reading your cold. He loves dead. Yeah. Amen. I remember my, my daddy coming home. My mama meeting at the door. She put one on him. Right? I said, as a little boy, I remember that. Some of you say, why we wouldn't do that at our house? I know that's the reason why your love is cold and dead. And your youngins don't know how to love one another. Like you should. Oh, we need to. They, I, I'm not talking about. We, we don't run out naked. <laughs> not like that. Amen. I'm just, I had to clarify that up. Some of you, I used to tell by you look and say, my God, what are they doing there to find out? No, no, we, 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 I'm just telling you, my children, my grandchildren, see, watch me as I show affection. Hey, by the way, that takes her, let me show her affection. Don't touch me! I'm going to tell you something. Hey, listen. You listen to me now. You tell a man, you tell any man that more than once, guess what he'll do? He won't touch you. He'll stop. Yeah. Oh, I tell you. We've been right. We're coming up, we're coming up celebrating 42 years. Now I'm telling you, we still act, we still like hug. Oh, oh man! Even better, no young hugs around. God's purpose. Now, this Satan's plan to destroy marriage. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, Satan has fought the family. I'm telling you, he fights a family. John 8, 44, you are, you are of your father the devil, the lust of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Satan lies in order to destroy. He gives three main lies. Don't you listen to him. Num- lie number one. Sex is a private matter between two people. I beg your pardon. 
There's three th- over 3,000 sexually transmitted diseases today that insurance is paying to try to correct. Millions of unwed mothers that are on welfare. And I, I don't blame, don't, don't, I'm not, I'm not beating down mothers. Please don't, don't get me wrong. I think we ought to help them. But it's not a private thing. Abortion on demand is everywhere. And we all are paying for the private sins. It's a lie. That's a lie. It's no longer a private sin. I don't blame mothers as much as I blame deadbeat dads not taking care of the children. Number two, we must be free from that Christian Christianity's repression. I want to be free. The American Psychiatric Association put out an article just recently that said there is a growing problem of stress and emotional breakdown and it's related among teenagers having sex. It's, it's tearing them up. It's tearing them up. Number three, we must discover our sexual identity. Good taxpaying citizens are paying for perverted public school curriculum. The cry and, and temptation in this world is to take God's gift. And let me say, God's gift of sexuality as a means for selfish desire. God gave the gift of sexuality an expression of love between the bound, and the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman for love. It was God's gift to that husband and to that wife. And but just like everything else, the world has taken it and made it filthy and perverted and make it ugly. And, and it was never in God's design to be that way. But we made it ugly and perverted and senseless. Bible says in First Thessalonians four, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Are we listening? That you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of compicuments, even as Gentiles which know not God. For God had not called us to uncleanness, but God unto holiness. This quote. When I became a Christian, I made a vow not to resolve to be with a woman until I was married. Often they call my hotel room, but the same hand that picked up the phone can hang it up again. We all have the power of choice. But once used our choice then has the power over us. Who said that? A.C. Green, a professional basketball player. Satan lies in order to destroy. Satan tempts in order to destroy.
But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The rapid growth today because of internet, because of computers, the rapid growth of pornography has exploded this world of sex in the private world. It is a 13.3 billion, not million, billion dollar industry in America. Can you believe that? When preacher wrote, God's good life, he described sex as your spiritual equivalent to glue sniffing. The purpose of glue is to hold two things together. And when, it, when glue is used for its purpose, it's a marvelous thing. But a person goes off and uses glue to get high, he perverts the use of it. Sex is not for self-indulgence, but for an expression of love. The more self-centered the person, the more unscriptural your behavior will be in this area. Ted Bundy was a notorious serial killer. And he was interviewed by James Dobson. It's estimated, it's estimated he murdered over a hundred young ladies. The, the night before his death, here's why he talked at length about the process. And I love, listen to what he's saying. He talked considerable length about the process of desensitization, de, getting desensitive to something. You no longer bothers you. He underwent during his series of sex lands of women across the country. Dobson also said that Bundy had a problem with pornography as an uh, adolescent, 9 and 10. He went down on record as saying, It started when I found a Playboy magazine in the trash. And here's what he said. There was nothing more that would give him that kind of high and just to kill over and over God's purpose for marriage. Satan's plan against marriage. Understand, the devil wants to destroy you. And you young people understand, devil wants to destroy you. You give away your purity. It's done. You can never give it back. If you'll wait till you walk down an aisle and in the bounds of marriage, and all uh, you'll do something, you'll be glad you did for a lifetime. Yep. Then God's plan for an honorable marriage. To preserve purity, we've got to understand God's got a plan and priorities. Number one, I see the priority for purity. The, one, the first thing you've got to settle is this. Let me have everybody's attention. If you've not listened, listen now. Number one priority, it's not your body if you're saved. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've come under the blood drippings of Calvary and that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you need to understand something. Your body's not your own. Your body was created by God and your body was redeemed by God. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Number three, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye, which ye have of God, and you're not your own. You, the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit moved in, and you become His house, His temple. His temple. And what you do, that body, you're doing to His house. Wow. Wow. What you put on His body, you're putting on His house. And I wonder, if you go to someone else's house, How do you treat their house? Would you destroy their house? Would you mark on their house? Would you punch holes in their house? It's his house. And we miss this thing. We've said, it's my house. I do what I want to. No, you can't. It's his house. And what you do to the house, you are doing to the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. How many of you understand that this is a special place in these churches? It's just a building. The churches, people sitting in here. But we we sanctify, set this aside as being a, a special place. Wouldn't it be something that someone come in and just started doing crazy, doing crazy stuff? So spake, started writing confetti on the walls and stuff. Would that upset you? The Holy Ghost of God might get upset with you. If you're riding on His house. What's, what's powerful, ain't it? And your body should be presented to Him. I beseech you, thou brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's God's priority in one second. God's plan. Recognize sin is against God. Sin is against God. One day... Joseph's in his, in his master's house. And, and, I, and, and she, um, boy, my, my, my memory still ain't real good. I'm trying to get it back, but it's coming slow. Uh, who's that? Potiphar's house. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's coming back. Miss Potiphar. Miss Potiphar. I see her every day. She, Joseph, he, he must have been a good-looking feller. He would come by and say, Oh, man, you handsome. Oh. Now, I mean, every day she'd come by, Oh, you, boy, you got pretty hair. 
Finally one day, she said, Hey, Joseph, ain't nobody here now. Come lie with me. Come lie with me. Joseph didn't say, You ugly thing, I ain't going to lie with you. She probably wasn't. She probably, she probably was a very beautiful woman. She probably was. They always said, No, I can't do that. I had to get me killed. Somebody might catch me. No, anyway, he said, listen to what he said. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back any part from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It's a sin against God. He said, she, he's, she's not in the picture. He said, Miss Potiphar, I'm not going to sin against God. Boy, I'd help every marriage. When that old husband comes to you and starts flirting around, tells you, she'll tell you you're handsome and big, he man, you know you're not, you're just a wimp. Tells you how good you are and how good this. Then, oh, I, I, I'm honest with you. I, I'm a, I'm, I, you know how some people are. They, they not, like, put your hands on them. You know, just, I, I, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't do good with that. Amen. Unless it's my wife's hands. I like that. We need to understand something. It's sin against God. Somehow or another, we've taken this thing of flirting and playing. And, 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 and trust me, and I've said this before. One, when, when you're married, you cannot act like you're single. And when you're single, you can't, you're not married. When, when you're single, you can be single. But when you're married, those two lives can't mix. They can't mix. That, that don't work. That don't happen. Amen. There's some benefits of being married that you don't have when you're single, but there's, there's some benefits of being single you don't have when you're married. And, and they're two different worlds. And when we start crossing those boundaries, it's a sin against God. And we need to understand that. Number two, rely on the Holy Spirit for power. Romans 8, 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That means when somebody comes by and tells you how pretty you are and oh, you're just beautiful. God, well, I, I, I treat you better than your husband. Trust me, trust me. Holy Spirit nudges you. He's the devil. He's trying to destroy your marriage. You listen to the Holy Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, three. Remove the temptation. Second Timothy two twenty two. Flee also youthful lust that follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Charles Spurgeon, in his, late, in his later years, he said this, youthful lust follow a person all their life. You never outgrow it. 
One pastor went to see a senior member of his church. He said, all the time, I guess women bother you, do they? He said, well, they're not today. All right, folks, y'all, you life. We need, to be, we need to realize and flee also youthful lust. You know what? We have a policy around this church. And sometimes the policy is very hard to, 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 to do, but we do, and we follow it. And that is, Murani are never here by ourselves with a lady. And that's the wives for our children. And we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, if a lady come by the church said, Pastor, could you, and I'm, and, and I was here by myself, said, can you take me? I'd say, I'd, I'd tell you, no, I'd call somebody, I'd get somebody to take you, but no, I couldn't. And we, and we tried to follow that. Why? Why do, somebody, oh, you're just being ridiculous. Nobody wouldn't want you. I know nobody wouldn't, but the devil probably send one by. Yeah, it's in one by. And it, we do that. You say, why, why so strict? Because we never, if we never give place to that, we don't never have to worry about getting blown out of bounds. I'm amazed. I'm amazed how true that is. Uh, I got time for one story. I'll tell you one story. I, and, and it breaks my heart. How the devil destroys. I, I had a dear friend. Oh, he was such a dear friend. And many of you would know him if I mentioned his name. And he loved my youngins. He just loved my youngins. And he was very good to us. And uh, one day I, I noticed him and his wife and had having issues and for you know what he he left he moved out and uh, went to try to talk to him try to help him because he's just a good friend and here's what he said this is how bad it is his wife had had some had some ladies over for some kind of party and uh they said, show us your house. So she took them on to the house. She said, this here's our living room. And I'm in beautiful, beautiful, immaculate house. Said this, and, and this here's my bedroom. And then up the hall, she said, this is his, his bedroom. And uh, he owned a pretty successful business. And he said, the next day, the next day, he had a list of the ladies with that, that one's house called him, propositioned him, said, if you'd married me, you wouldn't have to sleep in the bedroom by yourself. Now that man was wrong, but may I say, that wife was wrong. Both of them were just wrong. And that thing just kept on till it ended up, just like the Bible said it would. Ended up in death. And a lot of heartbreak that could never be made right. 
We need, we need to, we need to wake, we need to realize that. We need to realize the devil. And, and I mean, these were faithful people at the house of God. I mean, faithful people. And you would never dreamed, but it did. And so we need to be aware of that. See, that little commandment, and thou shalt not commit adultery, so much bigger. And want it was just a commandment. Then we resolved to obey God's master plan. Ephesians 5 21. Wives, submit yours. Submitting your first verse, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Man, that verse would take about that would take care of about 99% of all the issues there is. Submitting yourselves one to another. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. We need to get off this thing. Me, submit! I ain't done! No, no. You, you got it wrong. You, 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 you all messed up. An act of submission is saying... I want to follow God's plan. And when I, literally, when you submit, a wife submits herself to her husband, it's as if she's submitting to the Lord. So when we rebel against our husband, you're rebelling against the Lord. And don't kid yourself. Practice that rebellion in your home. You'll reap it in your children. Practice rebellion in your home, even if it's silent. There's a lot of rebellion. I said, I rebel! No, no. You can rebel by your actions. Trust me, you'll reap it in your children. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands. And hold it, ladies, I'm sorry. I, I would to God, if I'd write in the Bible, I would have left these two words out. But he didn't. And everything. If I was writing the Bible, just for your sake, I'd left that out. But you know what? He didn't. Let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. How should we love our wives? As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Oh my. For this cause shall man leave father and mother shall be joined in his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I'm going to tell you something. Hear me and hear me. The day you set your children above your husband, you are wrong! Until you get that order right, nothing will be right. Absolutely nothing. 
it'll misfire. How many of you remember when the cars used to have distributors and, and you had plug wires and, and you had to wire the thing right and you know all the plug wires had to be wired and if you got it cross-wired, it would pop and backfire and run rough. That's the reason why a lot of marriages are backfiring and running rough because the order's all wrong. Either on the husband or on the wife. I'm not here to pick on either one of you. I'm here to nail both of you. We need to be what God wants us to be. We need to love our wife. It's Christ loved the church. You know how much He loved the church? Went to an old rugged cross. Let them beat Him, strip Him naked, beat Him, nailed Him to a cross. That's how much He loved the church. My goodness. Boy, I tell you, if, God, if that's, God's, that's God's plan... Man, that's more responsibility. I gotta love Darlene. I mean, I gotta love her. I'm, I mean, I gotta to go to the extreme in loving her and her knowing that I love her. If that's what Christ done for me, you know when it's right. I'm telling you, I've been. I'm not a novice at this thing. Been married a long time, and when it's right, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And boy, if it's wrong, there ain't nothing much harder than that. Tonight, won't you quit disobeying God? Won't you quit rebelling? Why don't you, may you say, well, he does this! God ain't waiting on him, he's waiting on you. Well, she does this! God ain't waiting on her, he's waiting on you. God didn't say, husbands, love your wife. If she does this, 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 this. God said, husbands love your wives. He don't tell. He, he, don't, he said me to love her that way if she don't do nothing. That's what he said. But I'm Michael Mays Jackson. God said, Mays! Lord said for you to love me. No, Mays said, God, the Lord said you submit yourself. She said, Mays, you love me the way God said so. And I'll kiss your feet. Is that true? We need to realize we're living in a day. This thing's so perverted. It is so perverted. Something clean, something pure, something right, something holy. We've just perverted it to no end. And somewhere, somehow, as God's people here tonight, we've got to make sure we do our part to make it right and do it right just for the glory of God. Oh, I'm telling you, you say, nah, well, then you're in for a world of hurt. Amen. And nobody wins in adultery. Nobody. It's all stand to their feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.